1: and then just simply cry out for more of him and it's this, this longing to be a, a space where the spirit would rest mm-hmm. as a community.
0: Yeah, I love that that's such a the heart and core value of Garden Church exactly. knowing that the spirit is present, like he's welcome to the party and we get to celebrate and I so appreciate the beauty and creativity that you've been cultivating, not only with worship but just something that we can invite the rest of our community into and, and it's so cool when, when uh, in the recording of this song, it's the first time that we shared it and it's like people have been singing it for weeks and it was just such a cool thing to experience and so we're so happy for those of you that have experienced that with us on a Sunday morning and we want to see just more original songs being birthed from this place um, that you're talking about just being saturated in the Holy Spirit. So we are welcoming you to stick around after the sermon where you can hear a live recording of the song We Need You and I hope it blesses your heart. Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California.
2: Uh, we start a new series in Acts called Acts Empowered for Life, um, and Luke is the author of Acts, and I wanted to, to maybe um, begin with an illustration, an illustration, a picture of what Luke begins with, because the book begins with kind of this, this odd picture, if you will, and, and we've got to know that Luke um, is, is telling the story of Acts, it's kind of the book that doesn't have a beginning, and it doesn't really have an end, it's, it's part two of Luke, the gospel, um, where Luke's gospel is about Jesus and his mission and Acts is about Jesus's mission continued through spirit empowered followers. And so I thought, uh, can actually let's let me just get I'm going to need about 11 volunteers to, to make this illustration illustration. So can I get some some hands? Let's just go. Yeah, you come up. You too. You come up. Let's get you too. Yeah, you didn't raise your hand. Come up. You come up. Ellis get up here. How many is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. A couple more. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, in the back. Come on. Let's go. Yeah, you. Peter raised his hand for you. Come on. You won't have to do much. Come on. All right. So keep the music up. Can we give them a round of applause? This is great. All right. Let me just position you like right here. You're going to be like right here. All right. I'm going to just put you here. Just follow. Can you just come over here and just stand over here? Yep, and Alyssa, will you just come right here and maybe turn around? Um, Yeah, you get the back. Why don't you stand on the stage? And then you go over there, and then you stand right here. Okay, everyone, look at me if you're up here. All right, you can kill the music. All right, so you're not going to dance. I just want you all to just stare right up here, just right at the top, and don't move. Okay, just stay there. Okay. Okay, everyone here, check this out. Look at them. Oh man, isn't it beautiful? Just stay there. Don't, don't move, okay? Just stand there. Everyone open your Bibles as they stand there to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 begins with this picture, okay? We're going to start in verse 9 and we're going to go backwards. It says this, After he said this, he being the resurrected Jesus Christ, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. Do you see it? Are you sure? Do you want me to explain the illustration or do you get it? (laughs) Uh, When when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Pete, do you have your white robe? No, okay. He doesn't have his white robe. Um, We're going to act it out. Men of Galilee, they said. And women, um, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who had, has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So the story begins here with these disciples, these followers of Jesus Let's go to the next slide. The angels come to them and say, why do you stand here looking into the sky? Or one translation you could say, they're they're coming to say, what are you waiting for? Get on with it. This is how Luke begins the story. Will you give him a round of applause? You can now sit down. So the disciples are standing, looking intently into the sky and the angel says, why do you stand here looking into the sky or or what are you waiting for? Get on with it. Go and do it. So Luke begins a story like this. Okay, here's here's some overview. Let me just for all of us catching up to who Luke is. Luke, first of all, go to the next side. He's the author of Acts. He's a doctor, an historian, uh, a, a storyteller and an artist. He was the only Gentile to contribute to the New Testament. Which is so important because the themes we're going to see in the book of Acts is, this, is the themes that were started in the book of Luke. Of, of how the Gentiles are included in this marvelous story that's being unfolded to uh, Jesus and the, his followers. He was not an eyewitness to the life of Jesus. He was a companion and an apostle of Paul. Next slide. Next um, slide. Here's Luke. Here's a structure of Acts. OK, there's there's a more complex structure. But if you want to know how does Acts break down, here's kind of what happens. Chapters one through seven is about this small movement that starts in in Jerusalem. It's about the church that begins to form in Jerusalem. Chapters eight through eleven. It's where we see um, the, the gospel and the movement of God, the church spread to Judea and Samaria. Now, can I just talk real quick? How many of you were here when I talked about the Good Samaritan? Do the Judeans, the Jewish community, do they like the Samaritans? They hate them. So it spreads to uh, these two kind of anti-communities, if you will. And then um, from 12 to 28, we see that it's kind of about Paul and the Gentiles. The gospel spreads to Asia. It spreads to uh, Europe and eventually to the ends of the earth. We see it go all the way to Rome and beyond that. So we're going to pick up on the story. But that's kind of the structure of the book as it begins in the small. It starts in Jerusalem. Now it's here or it started at the bottom. Now we're here. No, no, no Drake fans. No Drake fans? Really? Okay, that's fine. That's for me then. I'll do some stuff for me too. If you're new, I'll I'll do some stuff for myself. I might drop some more songs later. We had happy. All right, next one. Um, Okay, here's the overview. Let's read this. It says, when the resurrected Jesus is turned loose into the world, anything is possible. That's good news. That's what this book is about. The possibilities of God in your own life. And the world around us. At his ascension, Jesus commissions his disciples to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. Um, Abby, can we go to the next one? It says, the book of Acts is a story of what happens when ordinary followers of Jesus are filled with the Holy Spirit and released into the world to continue Jesus' mission. The story continues today, and every follower of Jesus is, is invited to continue the work and to live a life empowered for mission. Um, which we're going to talk about over the next several weeks. The book of Acts is an encouragement for the church today, all of you here today, um, that to live an empowered life and continue the ministry of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what this whole series is about, how to be filled with the Spirit and to continue the work of Jesus. Let's go to the next slide. Okay, so let's pick up in the beginning of the book, Acts chapter 1, and we'll start in verse 1. And um, I'm really excited about this. When we get to verse eight, it kind of lays out the mission of the church, um, the mission of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. If you ever wanted to know um, what's our mission statement, this is one of them. So we'll start with verse one uh, in verse in chapter one. This is Luke writing in, in my former book, Theophilus. Um, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. <laughs> Until the day he was taken up into heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Okay, next slide. So here we go. At the... Uh, Luke says, all that Jesus began to do and teach. So that's kind of a summary statement for the book. This is the, begin, this is the continuation of what Jesus had already been doing. He had been, he had been teaching about what? The kingdom of God. What was the primary message of Jesus? It's right behind me. Do you, see, uh, uh, you see at the bottom? Right there at the bottom? What was the primary message of Jesus? How many of you say love? How many of you thought love? On, let's just Okay, let's be honest. Okay, I was in my first Bible class at Vanguard University. I've told this story. There I am, a 19-year-old guy, passionate about Jesus, carrying my Bible to every, everywhere I went, passing out tracts, true story, convincing people they were going to go to hell, um, trying to have a conversation about that, and then trying to bring them to Jesus. It didn't really work very well, although it, it did for a period of time, I suppose. Um, but there I was, a student of, of the Bible, and the, the professor says, what is the primary message of Jesus? I ro- r- rose my hand and raised it. And I said, love. And he said, absolutely not. What? My, what do you mean? No, it is. Nope, it's not. What else? Uh, Justice, prayer. Nope, that's not it. The kingdom of God. The primary message of Jesus is the kingdom of God. That God's reign and rule is here and now. That Jesus came to establish God's reign on earth as it is in heaven. And that's good news. It's not just that he died for us on the cross, that's a major part of it, but it's that he established God's way of life, his reign, his, a life marked by healing and justice and wholeness and peace and forgiveness of sins, the resurrection here and now. That's his primary message, and we saw that all through the book of Luke, and now we see that the very beginning of this book starts in Acts chapter 1, verse 3. It says that he continued to teach for 40 days about the kingdom of God. And look at how the book ends. Would you go to um, the next slide? If you go to the very last verse in the book of Acts, let's just look at the theme. It starts with Jesus in the beginning, talking about the kingdom in Jerusalem with his followers. And then it ends with Paul, who is a major character of the book of Acts, the apostle Paul. Um, We'll talk about him in the future. But he, he, it ends, this is the ending of the book. It ends with him in Rome under Caesar's household doing this. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. is a story about the kingdom. Yes or no? So to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus, is about continuing the work which has something to do with the kingdom of God being here and now, and something about us being teachers to the nations about the kingdom, but also practitioners of everything we mentioned, justice and peace and forgiveness and wholeness. That's what it means to follow Christ. And that's what we're going to see. So this is the theme of the book. We're going to see this kind of unravel and unfold uh, as ordinary men and women, literally um, uh, waitresses and, and, and baristas. I mean, I'm just paraphrasing. And, and stay-at-home moms and teachers and engineers and, and ordinary folks, especially those engineers, as Christian's raising a sticky head. <laughs> uh, they get to do it too. They're the ones doing this thing called church, called mission. You can tell that I'm clearly passionate. because This is the secret that we miss. This, I think the single greatest threat to the church being a movement is this. Or to paraphrase in our context, just, just sitting in seats. Maybe the angel would say to us, why are you just sitting there? Get to it. Why are you staring into the sky? So the story continues. Um, on one occasion, verse 4, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. I lo- How many of you love that Luke just keeps talking about Jesus eating? Seriously, like I I, that's become a theme in my life now. And I'm just saying, baby, I'm being obedient to Jesus. (laughs) WWJD, you know what I'm saying? Like just get some more, get a burrito and (laughs) I I haven't said that to my wife. That was a lie. Um, Although I might start doing that. Uh, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. My Father promised, which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Baptized. You will be immersed, submerged. You will be like a piece of fabric that's dipped into dye, and its very nature is transformed by the Spirit of God. That's what's going to happen to you. And then they're like, okay. And you know what their next question is? I love it. Uh, Then they gathered around him and said, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Do you remember the problem they had, the disciples had in the gospel of Luke? They just kept missing the point. Jesus is talking about God's presence, giving them power and indwelling in them and transforming their very existence. And they're concerned about God establishing a literal kingdom and conquering Rome. And they still don't get it yet. Guys, he's like, Jesus, are you going to make us like, I don't know, like generals for the army so we can defeat our worst enemies called Rome? Are you going to have a tangible kingdom like David? They're, they're just expecting Jesus to do exactly what they hoped he would do, which that was a military victory over Rome. And, and he's like, no, 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 no. I love this next line. For all of you that are really concerned about revelation and end times, look at Jesus' response to you. It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Hey, don't worry about it. Hey, you guys, guess what? The story is going somewhere. Guess where it's going? A renewed heaven and earth. A new heaven and new earth. Jesus is coming back. Yes, he is. Now don't worry about it. Get to work. That's what, that's what, so the very next line is what we're going to spend most of our morning on. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus now gives us... A, a, a command, I'm going to preach down here because I want to walk around more. Um, a command to be his, to, uh, first of all, he says you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power. How many of you think about receiving power, first of all? How many of you think, when you think of power, you think about taking, or grasping, or seizing, going after? You don't think about it in a posture of receiving power. Now, power by definition is the capacity or ability to direct or influence the behavior of others or the course of events. It's the ability to do something. God's gonna give us the ability to do something. God's gonna give us the capacity the resource to to influence outcomes to influence social spheres to influence family dynamics to change systems to transform transform domains of society he's going to give us that ability are you with me he's going to he's it's going to it's going to be given to us it's not something we have to grasp after he's going to give us the capacity to live without fear He wants to give us capacity to live in right relationship with our moms. For some of us, we hear about Mother's Day and it's just a a solid reminder of how dysfunctional our family is. How pain, how much pain family, that word family has caused. I was watching that video in the back because I was doing the lights. Did you see the? it went off? That was me. Welcome. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yep, all all week. I did study theater, so I had to take some stage and um, you know, set design, all sorts of stuff. It's been fun. Anyways, going back. (laughs) I was watching that video, my heart broke. Are you kidding me? Nineteen thousand orphans in our in our county. It's, 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 it's powerful. God wants to give us the capacity to change those numbers, to change those statistics. Not just the systemic part of it, but to welcome people into our own families. That's that's going to be given to us by the Spirit of God. Now, here's a couple of definitions. I want you to understand the Spirit. Next week, I'm talking about Acts chapter 2, Pentecost. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be about the Holy Spirit and what what happened when the church is filled with the Spirit. But go to the next slide for me. So the Holy Spirit, the Greek word is pneuma. The Hebrew word is ruach. And um, it's the, the same word for wind, breath, and spirit. So I just want to think about this because God's going to give us what Jesus is saying. He's going to give us power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us or comes on us. Now, the Holy Spirit, if you go to Genesis chapter 1, this is kind of the first reference to the Spirit. And it, it begins in Genesis 1. And it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, the wind, the breath, the Spirit. Uh, it, the, the Hebrew understanding is this life-giving energy, power of God, the person of God. It's, a, it's part of who God is. It's His divine activity that creates all of the world and cosmos in it. Are you with me? Genesis 1. Genesis 2, it's, there's this part of the story. Then God, the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed, that's the word ruach, Into his nostrils, the breath of life, same word, and the man became a living being. So it is the spirit of God that gives us a soul. So we as humans are created out of dust from the earth and spirit from God. So there is this essence that God, his spirit creates life. Are you with me? Okay, here's another passage where Paul talks about this radical dynamic of the Trinity um, in Romans chapter 8. I just I want us to think about. Receiving power when the Holy Spirit... When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about a Hebrew understanding of this divine energy, this, this thing that, that, that empowers all of creation. We're talking about um, the thing that gives us life, the person that gives us life. And then uh, there's all sorts of things throughout the Old Testament about the Holy Spirit. But here's, here's what Paul says. I just want to throw this out there. Romans 8, verse 10. But if Christ is in you, he's talking to those of us that have said yes to Jesus and have chosen to follow him with our lives as disciples. If Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit, Pneuma, gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, time out, the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. The spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. How many of you are worried about how much money you're going to have next week? How many of you are worried about rent? How many of you are worried about finding your soulmate? How many of you are worried about your husband actually doing the dishes after you asked him one time? Okay, that's playful. But what about the serious things? Like, you know, you're living in sickness. You've been diagnosed with something that has been literally uh, the identity over your life. What are the things that are causing you to fear and and tremble? What are the things that you get worked up about? Your anger, your frustration. What are the habits in your life that are self-destructive, that are keeping you from fullness? Do you realize that you have a resource of God himself, his presence in your life that is living within you? It's the same spirit that raised Jesus himself from the dead. Whoo! He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Can Paul say it any better? No. So as we look at this, we recognize that um, we are going to receive power from God himself, his spirit, through his spirit, to do what? Very next word, to be his witnesses, to be his witness. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, so, I want to focus on witness for a moment, as we run out of time. <laughs> witness, uh, a witness is uh, where we get the word. Uh, it's Greek word martis, martis or martis. It's where we get the word martyr. It means to lay. A martyr means to lay down one's life. We think about those that die for the faith. We know these stories. We'll read about Stephen, who's the first martyr, um, in the book of Acts. It's fascinating. Stephen um, is a deacon, meaning he at the time weighted tables for widows. He passed out food to widows and he becomes the first martyr, not a super apostle, not a guy with a degree. Um, it's, it's Stephen, um, just this ordinary dude that was following Jesus filled with the Holy spirit. And he becomes a person that stands before the very council that crucifies Jesus and just defeats them, um, in a debate. And he ends up getting stoned to death. But so he's, he becomes the first martyr. Means uh, witness means one who testifies. Okay, or or you can even articulate it. Witness is someone who affirms the truth. So think about a courtroom setting. You know, the, the um, defense attorney calls in the witness, the key witness. And he says, yes, I saw him, you know, uh, res- eating a meal on the road to Emmaus or whatever the courtroom is setting is. I think of law and order. I was trying to be about Jesus. So um, and, and the defense attorney says, oh, could the court take note that it was uh, he pointed to the resurrected Jesus Christ or whatever it was? He was a witness that brought truth and affirmed. No, go back real quick. He affirms the truth or brings facts to a case, story or event. Or you could say what the go to the next slide. And that what Jesus is inviting us into is this, a witness, um, as a witness, you become a person who affirms truth, beauty, life, goodness, generosity, peace, and justice, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ himself in your own life, that your life affirms the resurrection. You become a witness to the resurrection of Jesus. You become a person who begins to affirm all that is true and good and beautiful and right and just in the world through your own life. Have you heard it that way? Are you with me on this? So for for many of us, we don't think of witness this way. We think about passing out tracts. Some of us think about that. Or Jesus empowering us with the spirit to proclaim the gospel to strangers. That's part of it. But Witnesses is about testifying with your life. It's about allowing your life to, um, to show people the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, you could, for, for me, it's always, uh, you know, when I was growing up, I thought Witness was about convincing people about the evidence of God. Has anyone thought of Witness as that? Or about trying to get people to believe all the right things about God? It's like I have this body of knowledge that I'm trying to convince them to grab and understand and believe in. It's like believing the right things about Jesus rather than um, really the engineer is going to have his phone go off. Really cool. Cool, bro. (laughs) Just kidding, Christian. Just kidding, buddy. Um, uh, So Jesus wants to empower us, not just to not to try to convince people, but to compel people to believe because our lives bring evidence to the resurrection of Jesus himself. Witness is about receiving power from the Holy Spirit so that your life naturally points people to God. To witness is to point others to something. Okay, so think about witness in the sense that you're you're pointing out the facts of a case uh, or you're revealing something true. And if you were to look at your life, the way you live your life in the ordinary day to day, what does your life point to? Maybe this is a way to think about witness for a moment. Think about, you can think about your worries. Think about your calendar, where you spend most of your time. Think about where you spend your money. Think. About, does your life point to your career? Does it point to your family being the, the biggest priority in your life and the comfort and the security of caring for that family? Does it point to your, uh, your sex life, to your body? Does it, what does it point to? To your habits, to your hobbies, to working out? What does your life point people towards? And many of us, I don't even think we're, we're intentionally doing this, but we're, our, our lives are, are lived behind screens now. You know, kind of the, the numbing out to, to social media, to television, to all these things that we, we, we have lived a life without intentionality. What does your life point to? Who does it point to? I think many of us are living without joy and hope. We're not, We're living in fear and we're angry and we're impatient and we're pointing to... All sorts of things. But to witness is how we evangelize. Witness, go to the next slide. Witness is how we evangelize. It's how we bring people to the understanding of who Jesus is. It's, it's about introducing people to Jesus through our lives. It's, it's telling people our stories and how they intersect with God's story. It's, it's about talking about what we're passionate about. How have you been shaped and transformed by God? I think this is how we have to evangelize today. It's about telling people better stories. It's about telling people the stories of your life. life. If I asked you, what are you passionate about? You could tell me you're passionate about your kids. You can tell me stories about when they started to walk or when they got their license. You can tell me about your job and how awesome your job is or the new car you got or your new golf clubs or how you hit a hole in one. You can tell me about your your vacation or your surf trip. You can tell me all sorts of things about all sorts of things. How many of us, when we talk about our lives, are showing people the Jesus we know? That it just, it just oozes out of us in a way that is irresistible. It oozes out of us in a way that brings testimony to Christ's resurrection. To witness is to talk about what you love. It's to celebrate and point people to Jesus. That's how it, com- it becomes grace and beauty and love and redemption and renewal. It's stories of transformation. It's, it's when we're, we're compelled. You, if you listen to the Mussers who are doing Safe Families, I think we have nine families that are doing Safe Families in our church. Nine. Amazing. Or... Um, um, I, I look at those families and it's their hearts are so moved with compassion. They're like, hey, yeah, we, we have to do something. They're they're, they're, fam- they're recognizing the hurt of someone else that they they don't just talk about it they Don't just pray. They look at the situation and say, no, that that kid has to live with us. Yeah, I know we have a couple of kids of our own and our schedules, it, it's just a little chaotic. I know it's going to be awkward to figure out how this fits and work with the family, but we're so moved by the story of God in our own lives that we can't help but allow it to go everywhere else. Witness. Do you think that brings people to Jesus? Yes, it does. It brings people to Jesus. So um, how, how do we do this? How do our lives become witness? Witness. How does your life become witness? I believe, guys, that we have to look at it through a different lens. We have to see that our lives um, point to Jesus in a million different ways. When you choose kindness, it points to Jesus. When you choose forgiveness, when you choose to live with patience... And gratitude. When you are a person of joy, when you're a person of compassion, when you choose to uh, to try to reconcile a broken relationship versus just walking away from that relationship, it points people to Jesus. Your life becomes uh, when when you choose to live with generosity allow that to become a place of giving. When When you choose not to just pass out money, but to invite people into your homes. When you choose to live this whole thing out, your lives point to Jesus. That's what Jesus comes to do. To release you from your insecurities and fears so that you can love well, so that you can live as people of hope, that you can, you can point people to Jesus uh, and you can live with joy despite circumstances. God wants to empower you to be irresistible, to be an unstoppable force. This is why the church became a movement, because people wanted to be like them. There are historians that record uh, writers in the second century that talk about what was going on in the church. And people were becoming Christian because of how the Christians took care of each other. Could you imagine the outside looking in saying, there has to be a God and I want to be a Christian because of how they live their lives. I'll tell you, there weren't riots in Ephesus because people were just singing songs in institutions. It's because they were challenging the dynamics of the systems and culture of the day that people had to resist them because it was impacting the economic system of Ephesus. They stopped worshipping false idols. In other words, they weren't buying those false gods. We'll read about it in Acts chapter 19. Could we become the type of irresistible community? That people look at us, they look about how how we treat each other, how we take care of this neighborhood, how how we love each other in our community groups. How we actually live out the scriptures in a way that's compelling. It doesn't have to be so complicated. We just do what it says. And we treat each other with love. And we we ask God to fill us with that peace we need because we're so full of anxiety. We ask God to fill us with the power to forgive because there's no possible way on my own human strength I can forgive again. And that will become witness to the world. That's what we're called to be. That's what we're doing here at the garden, and I don't want to lose that. As we grow, as it becomes chaotic with more kids, and as we figure out how to how to create more systems and get more people in, I want to get back to what we did, what we're doing here. It's about affecting those those orphans in our city. It's about renewing this neighborhood. It's about discipleship. It's about the spirit of God. It's about the gifts. It's about loving one another. It's not just sitting here. It's not just passing the bucket. It's not just showing up with a half heart. It's being full of God and moving the city to a better place. It's about affirming movement where you see it. And it's not going to happen because we put it on a logo or because we come up with a cool video. It's going to happen because you get it and God gives it to you. Because we keep talking about the main thing. Keep ta- we keep celebrating the main thing. We keep funding the main thing. We keep doing the main thing. We keep doing the things that Jesus tells us to do. So, this is how the church became a movement. And Jesus says, Go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. He says, The gospel is a dynamic, ever expanding movement that transcends social, economic, personal, and cultural ba- boundaries. It's designed to go everywhere and it's designed to go everywhere through you. It's a movement not because churches have great marketing. It's a movement because you're so compelled by God. Your life is so transformed that people just want to hang out with you. What kind of people do you want to hang out with? Do you want to hang out with people that are self obsessed, that are anxious? they are constantly complaining about how much work they have to do. That are obsessed with culture and their bodies. you want to hang out with those kinds of people? Or people full of joy and thanksgiving and gratitude. People that have something about them. They live life in a way that you just wish you could have. Are those the types of people you want to be around? So when we talk about... ...about where this is going. It's designed to be a movement. It's designed to go everywhere through you. It's designed to be a movement, not an institution. Institution movements change culture. They they change it. They engage it to shape it and redeem it. Institutions close themselves off... ...to the world around it... ...and focus on self-preservation. How do we contain and make sure we survive? The church is designed to thrive... ...and die to itself. So it gives life to new forms... Movements create culture and institutions preserve it. Um, I, I play this song, Happy. Will you play that song one more time just so we have this in our mind real quick? Let's just hear this. Um whenever you can. So I want you to think about this song for a moment. Okay, how many of you... Keep going, keep going. How many of you just want to move, right? Right? There's like... If you're, you're like, come on, really? We're just going to sit here? Like it just... Like if we're honest, if we're just like, alright, come on, we're just gonna we're just gonna break it down, okay? You can stop it. Do you know This was put out on November 21st, 2013, and it's been less than six months, and it is in 140 different countries, 1,600 videos. This went viral, so they say. It went viral around the world because something about this song spoke to the hearts of people in all over the world. They have videos of Afghanistan, they have people in in the continent of Africa, and all over Asia, people in all over the United States, kids, old people, it doesn't matter. They were singing this song. Something about About this song made people dance and make a movie. It was a movement. It it just spread. There's something true about the song, whether you agree with its message or not. I'm not here to talk about prosperity or God wants to just make you happy. But when Pharrell was interviewed, why do you think so many people uh, uh, responded to it? He said... There's a lot, and I'm going to paraphrase, there's a lot of messed up travesty in the world. Sometimes you just need a Hallmark card. Sometimes you just need to shake your booty. So off that note, sometimes you just need to shake your booty.
1: It's, yeah, it's Leviticus or something like that.
2: Um, what do we do now? As we close, and I'm sorry for going over, but um, I need to finish this. What do we do now? Do you see the image in your head of the church standing, looking up? Or sitting, looking out? If that is the picture Luke begins with. And Jesus commissions his followers to be the kind of person that bring witness, that preaches the gospel through their lives. But also has the audacity to say, yeah, actually, I do believe in Jesus and he's the best thing for you. You know, the city needs more than than just foster parents. Jesus, spirit filled followers that are passionate about Jesus and filled with his spirit, doing what he did, not just talking about the kingdom, but doing the things of the kingdom. That's what He needs. So if the angel came to us, he might say, what are you waiting for? Get on with it. Many of us are just looking up, looking out, waiting for God to do something as the mission of God just passes through our lives. And you could say we're not witnesses, we're not participants, we're spectators, we're critics. We're trying to know a lot about God rather than be a lot about God. So this is the ministry you're called to. You're called by Jesus, to represent Him wherever you go. You're called to be filled with the Spirit, to have power. How many of you need power to forgive? How many of you need something today? How many of you have a situation that you just can't do on your own, and you, all, you haven't done anything because you've, you've not actually had the power to do it? You need to ask God for it, to empower you to do it. So I want to invite our church in this season, and for the rest of our existence, to live a life for you, to live a life that points people to God, that would be outrageously compassionate for the things that Jesus is compassionate for, and to continue the mission. There's not an ending to the book of Acts because we continue the book of Acts. And maybe your story will be written one day. As the church is dying slowly, as we celebrate the numbers of attendance and gatherings on Sunday, we have to recognize that the church for too long in the United States, has been powerless. And so um, I just want to invite you to receive power this morning, to receive the presence of God in your life. We are to be people of presence and people of power. If you think, man, I've got too much distraction, I've got too much sin, I've got too many things that are pointing people in the wrong directions, I can't do this on my own. Of course you can't. There's no way you can you got to do it through the power of God.
3: The fire.